0: Hello teacher friends, my name is Christina Whitlock, and I would like to welcome you to episode number 21 of the Beyond Measure podcast. You know, this is a space that welcomes independent music teachers of every instrument and every experience level, (laughs) or frankly, anyone who recognizes the benefits of having a piano teacher friend in their lives. That friend is me, by the way. (laughs) So we'll get started soon, but I just wanted to say thanks for being here today. Today, we are talking about a subject that impacts all of us on one level or another as performers, as teachers, or like me. Both. (laughs) Yes, my friends, we are going there. (laughs) We are talking about performance anxiety. (laughs) As much as I wish that I could impart to you everything that I have learned from mountains of research in my little 20 minute or less podcast, I'm afraid we'll have to stick to the Cliff's Notes version today but I do have a few quick highlights that I hope will get you thinking in a slightly new direction when it comes to this oh-so-popular topic. <laughs> Performance anxiety, of course, affects us as performers ourselves, but it's also a subject that we really need to be covering with our students. One potential stumbling block here is the fact that performance anxiety presents itself differently in every individual. So it's not like any one coping strategy will be a one-size-fits-all solution. But that said, there are several absolutes, or at least as close as you can come to an absolute, that I have come to believe on this subject. So, absolute number one involves your breath. (laughs) Your breath is a really important element in managing any type of stressful feeling. You know, improving our oxygen flow helps us regulate all of our neurological processes, our emotions, and our physical control over our bodies. So learning how to manage our breath Also provides a gateway into many effective strategies that fall under that category of mindfulness. Several years ago, I think it was the last time that MTNA had their national conference in Chicago, but I went to a session by Vanessa Cornette on helping our students develop mindfulness in their playing. I should probably add that Dr. Cornett has a book on this topic called The Mindful Musician and it is fantastic. <laughs> I should also add that even though she is like one of my favorite all-time presenters, uh, Vanessa Cornett has no clue who I am. <laughs> so these thoughts are entirely my own. And not solicited by her in any way. <laughs> so, anyway, back to her Chicago MTNA session. Dr. Cornette blew my mind with one particular concept. She very wisely pointed out that many times our students tend to subconsciously associate the piano bench with anxious feelings. You know, if you think about it, the second they sit on a piano bench, other than the one at their own home, they probably get used to tensing up, feeling self-conscious, thinking negative thoughts, and of course, they start taking more shallow breaths. Vanessa proceeded to propose the question that what if we intentionally conditioned our students to meet that action of sitting on the piano bench with a very opposite response, one of relaxation, one of breathing. (laughs) So what if we began every lesson by guiding students through a few proper, deep, long breaths as soon as they sat down on the bench? It might be one of those concepts that is probably maybe awkward to introduce at first, but after a few weeks, I think your students will come to expect it as part of the lesson, and they won't give it a second thought. Little by little, year after year, (laughs) diligent repetition of this kind of start to their lesson will certainly begin to work its way into our students' bodies, and of course that will ultimately result in kind of a conditioned response of calm and relaxation anytime they're sitting at the piano. I don't know about you, but don't you want your students to feel a sense of calm when they're sitting at the piano? I know I instantly want my students to feel kind of like they're at home as soon as their hiney hits that bench. (laughs) But really, this concept just helped me realize that most students' feelings at the instrument are probably quite the opposite of what we want. So this is certainly no like quick fix, but it is one of the best foundations that we can lay for our students to better cope with performance anxieties in the future. If they learn to immediately engage in a few full breaths as soon as they sit on the piano bench, allowing their bodies to reap all of those benefits of intentional breathing every single time they sit down at a piano, whether it's on stage or in our studios. Don't you think that would be a huge step in managing nervous reactions to performance? Plus, on a larger scale, once our students start noticing the benefits of those calming breaths, Don't you think that they could use that for other challenges they face in life? (laughs) For me, that is a huge win for the whole life skills learned in music lessons thing. Am I right? (laughs) Okay, so we talked a little bit about breath. And you probably already know that I am into this idea of healing by breathing. Um, I talked a little bit about it back in episode 18. If you missed my talk about teacher warm-ups, then make sure you go back to the archives and check out episode 18. (laughs) Secondly, let's talk about performance anxiety in a bit broader of a context, shall we? (laughs) Here is a universal truth that is very easy to miss. Science tells us that performance anxiety comes on for a variety of reasons, but it's fueled by actual physical occurrences that originate deep inside our brains. So to me, that means that there is no amount of positive self-talk, of visualizations or performance diaries, controlled breathing or any other preparations that are going to outsmart those neurological responses. I think all of those tools are great things when we use them correctly, but the truth is we need to accept the fact that getting rid of the anxious feelings is not the goal. Rather, our aim should be to acknowledge the discomfort, and persevere to work through it anyway. When that adrenaline is pumping through our bodies, we all respond a little differently. So some of us sweat, some of us shake, some of us have a really difficult time concentrating, while others others of us concentrate way too obsessively. (laughs) I remind my students all the time that these reactions are to be expected. And if you find yourself waiting to reach a point where you don't feel those feelings in some form, you could very easily end up waiting your whole life. So back in episode 16, I had mentioned that I had a chance meeting with the pianist who ultimately became my master's teacher, Dr. Jim Helton. I had agreed to turn pages for him for a guest artist clarinet recital. And the moment I knew that I had so much to learn from him was this. While we were waiting in the green room to go out on stage, he was, you know, kind of pacing around and he had these enormous gloves on his hands, which it was really cold for the record. (laughs) And he looked at me and he just said, I'm a nervous player. (laughs) I'm a nervous player. I was really intrigued by that statement because up until that point, I always thought that part of being a performing artist was playing this like ridiculous game of pretending that you weren't nervous, even though I knew fully well, we were all scared out of our minds But this was the first professional pianist who ever acknowledged those types of feelings to me. He owned the feelings, and then he proceeded to go out on stage and just slay all of these ridiculous orchestral transcriptions. And ever since, I have tried to adopt that mindset in my own performing. That, you know, hey, I am a nervous player. So, you know how I like to talk about how sometimes the thing we think is the thing is not really the thing? Well, this is a perfect example. Eliminating nervous feelings is not the goal. (laughs) Repeat that after me. Eliminating nervous feelings is not the goal. Now, here is one thing. One of the speeches I give my students more often than anything else Especially this time of year, is this. There are two different kinds of performance nerves. <laughs> there are those that are to be expected, like we've been talking about, simply due to the fact that you are doing a challenging thing in a challenging situation. But there are also those kinds of nerves that come because you are not actually ready for that event. (laughs) And those are the ones that are worth sweating. I always remind them that, you know, in those moments, like when you are waiting to perform, you need to be able to remind yourself that you have put in the time, that you've experienced success before. And, you know, that is the only thing that will keep those other thoughts at bay. If you didn't really work that hard leading up to your performance, if you weren't prepared, then instead you're going to be flooded with thoughts like, ugh, I really should have practiced on Tuesday instead of playing Minecraft all night. (laughs) So with that said, let's talk about preparation. I know it's a little controversial, and there are many of you in an opposite camp than me, but I still believe in pianists performing from memory. Now, it's not that there aren't exceptions to be had out there, but I really do maintain the stance that we actually perform our best when we aren't reliant on that score in front of us. I guess you can fight me on social media this week if you want to on that point, (laughs) but it's no secret that, at least for pianists, the potential for memory lapses are absolutely one of the most intimidating aspects of performance. I once heard Dr. Leslie McAllister say that students should be memorized a full 30 days before a performance. 30 days. (laughs) If you're anything like me at the time that I first heard that statement, you might have just laughed out loud. (laughs) Then again, if you are a seasoned teacher with very successfully performing students, Maybe you just nodded in agreement with me. While I can't say that I get every student there 30 days ahead of time, I will say that I notice a tremendous difference in the performances that come from my students who are memorized in that time frame. So I would strongly encourage you to give the 30-day goal a try at least once. Of course, I'm kind of really laughing about this right now because the bulk of my studio has a festival coming up this weekend and there are definitely a few who are still finishing their memorizations. (laughs) I will say that I have started including goals for memory 30 days prior to performances in my student evaluations that go out a few times per year. You can see episode 14 for more info on that. But that has been very helpful in many situations because parents understand it's a priority. They can put it on their calendar. They see it. They can follow up. It's great. Of course, the idea of preparation extends far beyond just memorization, we have to be sure that we are doing our part to set our students up for success in whatever situation we're prepping them for. So this includes encouraging them to perform for friends and family ahead of time, helping them understand the benefits of recording themselves, giving them their music in a timely manner, ouch, I know that one hurts a little bit, (laughs) or, you know, helping them with their analytical skills, their coping skills, the list goes on and on. (sighs) Time goes way too fast, my friends, (laughs) because I wish we could talk about these strategies all day. As usual, though, I want to send you off with a little toast before we wrap up. So if you have your favorite beverage handy, feel free to raise it with me now. (laughs) Music teacher friends of the world, let's acknowledge that we do difficult, uncomfortable things. (laughs) We teach some nervous players, and maybe you are one yourself. (laughs) Let's embrace the challenge of the art that we've chosen But let's also embrace the reward that comes on the other side, which, let's be honest, is probably what fuels all of this in the first place. (laughs) Just as 21st century society is seeking to embrace the importance of mental and emotional health, let's do our part to help our students learn that feeling our feelings is a great thing. <laughs> but we also have to know how to channel those emotions in a way that is going to serve our goals. I wish this for your students, and I wish it for you. <laughs> Cheers to doing it better, my friends. Here, hear. hear. I know that's just the tip of the iceberg, but I hope you found it helpful. There are three big takeaways from today's episode, and they are one, the concept of building good breathing practices on the bench as sort of a conditioned response. Two, the fact that we cannot eliminate performance anxiety. (laughs) And three, the important role of preparations. Speaking of anxiety, I did want to remind you that I am presenting a segment on anxious students at the Vibrant Music Teachings uh, Teacher Turbo Boost event that's coming up on March 29th through April 2nd. I am really looking forward to that because the way Nicola has put it together, it's a super low-key commitment for teacher enrichment. So check out teacherturboboost.com for more information and be sure to use my code, which is BEYOND in all capital letters, to save $10 off your registration. In other fun news, you can find me on two of my teacher friends' podcasts this week. (laughs) Make sure you check out Tim Topham's Topcast podcast for a conversation on the important role we have as music teachers, and also check out Leela Viss's uh, Key Ideas podcast for a really terrific chat about our shared love of adult students. I had no clue that both of these podcasts would end up airing in the same week, but there you have it. Just try not to get sick of me. Okay, I'll stop talking soon, I promise. Be sure to like and follow and subscribe and do all the po- podcasty things. Hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook at Beyond Measure Podcast. You can email me at beyondmeasurepodcast at gmail.com. And feel free to share the love by writing an Apple podcast review. <laughs> Cheers to making the most of the week to come, my friends. Until we meet again.